0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 46, and we're going to do the readings for Monday for the fifth week of Ordinary Time. That is the readings for Monday, the fifth week of Ordinary Time. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode um, 46 of 2021, episode 46 of 2021. So let's begin with a prayer or the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God, me Almighty God, have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie Kyrie eleison. Okay, let's go to the Gloria. We'll skip doing it in English today. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, almighty Father. Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. You take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, Uh, we're getting close to the uh, Lent, just to let you guys know. Remember, you can go to the uh, Facebook page if you want to. If you have an idea what you think we could do for Lent, uh, it will be great. All right, so the reading, now we're done with the uh, letter of the Hebrews, we're going to go into the first book of Kings. It's going to be chapter 8, verse 1 to 7, 9 to 13. Okay, first reading is from the book of Kings, first book of Kings, chapter 8, 1 to 7, 9 to 13. They brought the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies, and the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. A reading from the first book of Kings. The elders of Israel and all the leaders of the tribes, the princes in the ancestral houses of the children of Israel came to King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from the city of David, which is Zion, All the people of Israel assembled before King Solomon during the festival in the month of Athanam, the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark. They carried the ark of the Lord and the the meeting tent with all the sacred vessels that were in the tent. The priests and Levites carried them. King Solomon and the entire community of Israel uh, present for the occasion sacrificed before the ark, sheep and oxen to to many to number on our account. The priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place beneath the wings of the cherubim in the sanctuary the holy of holies of the temple the cherubim had their wings spread out over the place of the ark sheltering the ark and its poles from above there was nothing in the ark but the two stone tablets which moses had put there at Horab, when the lord made a covenant with the children of israel at their departure from the land of, of egypt when the priests left the holy place The cloud filled the temple of the Lord so that the priests could no longer minister because the cloud, since the Lord's glory, had filled the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord intends to dwell in the dark dark cloud. I I have truly built you a princely house, a dwelling where you may abide forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll read it one more time. Reading from the first book of Kings. The elders of Israel and all the leaders of the tribes, the princes in the ancestral houses of the children of Israel came to King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from the city of David, which is Zion. All the people of Israel assembled before King Solomon during the festival in the month of Ethanim, the 7th month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark. They carried the ark of the Lord and the the meeting tent with all the sacred vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites carried them. King Solomon and the entire community of Israel present for the occasion sacrificed before the ark, sheep and oxen, too many to number or count. The priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place beneath the wings of the cherubim in the sanctuary, the holy of holies of the temple. The cherubim had their wings spread out over the place of the ark, sheltering the ark and its poles from above. There was nothing in the ark but the two stone tablets which Moses had put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel at their departure from the land of Egypt. When the priests left the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord so that the priests could no longer minister because of the cloud, since the Lord, the Lord's glory had filled the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon said, The Lord intends to dwell in the dark cloud. I, I, have, I have truly built you a, a princely house, a dwelling where you may abide forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. So let's see what it says here. Um, Well, we should read it one more time, right? Because that's what we're supposed to do. The elders of Israel and all the leaders of the tribes, the princes in the ancestral houses of the children of Israel came to King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from the city of David, which is Zion. All the people of Israel assembled before King Solomon during the festival in the month of Ethanim, the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark. They carried the ark of the Lord and the meeting tent with all the sacred vessels that were in the tent. The priests and Levites carried them. King Solomon and the entire community of Israel, present for the occasion, sacrificed before the ark Sheep and oxen, too many to number or count. The priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place beneath the wings of the cherubim. In the sanctuary, the holy of holies of the temple, the cherubim had their wings spread out over the place of the Ark, sheltering the Ark and its poles from above. There was nothing in the Ark but the two stone tablets which Moses had put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel at their departure from the land of Egypt. When the priests left the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. So the priests could no longer minister because of the cloud, since the Lord's glory had filled the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon said, the Lord intends to dwell in the, in the dark cloud. I have truly built you a, prince, a princely house, a dwelling where you may abide forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so now we got into a different book. Now we're, it's no longer the letter to the Hebrews. It's the first book of Kings. King Solomon just built the temple in Jerusalem. His father David couldn't do it because he had too much blood on his hands. Even though God, uh, David was after God's own heart, David, unfortunately, Um, King Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, she was the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. She was a Hittite herself. And, um, David committed adultery with her, but he also committed murder to cover up his adultery. She wound up pregnant, not with Solomon, but with a child, another child. Uh, Solomon was their second child, I believe. But now Solomon has fulfilled his, uh, the mission. He has built the temple in Jerusalem. And they brought, um, they brought the Ark of the Covenant. This Ark was built by Moses uh, during the days of Moses and Aaron, during the Exodus, after the Exodus, when they, God has made his covenant with, uh, with Israel. And um, they brought it from the city of David, which is Zion. Um, It was obviously in Bethlehem. It was being held somewhere nearby there. And all that the priests brought it, in, only the priests can manage and handle it. In the seventh month, and the elders had arrived, and the priests took up the ark, and they carried the ark of the Lord and the meeting tent with all the sacred vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites carried them. I always wondered if they kept the tent, but they obviously, I think they did. And they brought it into the sanctuary um, and they placed it under, there was these two large angels with their wings meeting uh, right over the ark, touching each other. And then um, when the priest had left the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord so that the priest could no longer minister because of the cloud, since the Lord's glory had filled the temple of the Lord. So the Shekhanah, the glory of the God, uh, filled the presence. God's presence was in there. And the priests could not stay nearby because, of course, you can't get close. Uh, if you do, you they could be struck dead, because that's how powerful God's glory was. You know, later on, as we see that when the um, fire came down from heaven, well, probably in the next chapters, you'll see it um, took up the uh, the sacrifice offering that's on the altar, and uh, you know, and. Solomon himself gives a beautiful speech. It's basically a picture of the glory of of Christ, of of the the temple is a type picture of Jesus. And the ark is a picture of his mother. And remember, Jesus said, "I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is basically the blueprint of the portable temple. The uh, the tabernacle that moved around, and that they, they kept it. in the center was the the ark, and there was three parts to it: the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus used those words to describe himself because Jesus is the temple, and it's a beautiful, um, you know, a, a beautiful understanding about who Jesus Christ is to us. He's the glory of our own souls. He's the glory of our salvation. He's the temple of our salvation, and that's what he is. He is the he, he is the true place where we meet God, because Jesus is God incarnate. You know, once you get to you get familiar with the Old Testament, you understand it. Once you get familiar with the theology, that's one beautiful thing about Catholicism, is that we have all these liturgical symbolism that helps us to understand our relationship with God. And these things, we have to understand it. Mary, you see, you see in the book of Revelation, the woman clothed with the sun, with the the stars, 12, 12 stars in her head and the moon under her feet. <clears throat> then she disappears. I mean, the Ark of the Covenant was first appears and then it disappears and you see in the place it's Mary because she carried the word of life, the incarnate word in her womb. She was a walking ark, a walk, literally, you could almost say she was a monstrance. You actually see images of monstrance where the the consecrated host is placed in. You see in the image of Mary because she is the Ark of the Covenant. She is a, a dwelling place for our, for our God and Jesus Christ is God. And you know the pre, you know you see it's beautiful. I mean, you know, I like to look at models of the temple. You go on YouTube, you see models of the temple, and you can understand it. You're, Probably hearing people shoveling outside, but it's a beautiful thing. It's a very beautiful um, way to to study, and the more you study it, the more you can understand the New Testament more. The meaning of it, because remember we just read about how the the ministry, the service in the temple, in the in the uh, the letter to the Hebrews. All right, let's move on to the psalm. It's going to be Psalm one hundred and thirty-two. I probably should say a little bit more here, but Solomon does say here, um, you know, once the uh, the cloud comes in, the Lord's glory had filled the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon said, the Lord intends to dwell in the dark cloud. I have truly built you a princely house, a dwelling where you may abide forever. It's, you know, I mean, uh, the, 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 the Lord's glory. It's the Shekinah, but God doesn't need a temp, uh, a physical temple. God wants to dwell with a holy people, and yes, Solomon is right. I mean, when he said, at the time, is true. But does God really need a temple? Can anything contain Him? Would Solomon later on would say it? Would realize that what he's saying? I think he'll he he'll real he he'll rethink it again, because really. What can contain heaven and earth cannot contain him because God is greater than anything. And God really wants to dwell is within the hearts and minds of a holy people, a people that want him, that want to be him. That's really what God wants, because we see that in the book of Revelation, where God now dwells in people, in, in, in men. In the hearts of people, a holy people. The temple eventually will get destroyed in in, in a in a couple of, in a, in a century. After all, uh, maybe more than a century, but it will it will eventually be destroyed, because the people will, will take it for granted, and the people will go into exile into Babylon, and they'll come back and they'll rebuild it again. But then it's hard for them to under- comprehend. God, Israel is a nationality and their faith and their ethnicity. And maybe their comprehension of God was weak. You know, their comprehension of God is weak. There's something, uh, the pagans saw God as the greatest of all the gods. They assumed that there were gods, but this God was the chief and king or prince of all the gods. Israel simply assumed that God was their God and their property and they, they reduced him down to a property and did and they looked down on all the other nations. That was not what God wanted. He wanted them to be the, be a sign to the other nations. He wanted the other nations to come to them so they can learn about God we would see this in the prophets in their in in their their, pre- their preaching of the old testament prophets in their revelation all right let's go to the uh, psalm 100 i'm sorry 132 psalm 132 responses lord go up to the place of your rest lord go up to the place of your rest lord go up to the place of your rest behold we heard of it in ephrathah We found it in the fields of Jar. Let us enter into his dwelling. Let us worship at his footstool. Lord, go up to the place of your rest. Advance, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your majesty. May your priests be clothed with justice. Let your faithful ones shout, merrily for the joy for joy for the sake of David your servant reject not the plea of your anointed Lord go up to the place of your rest okay this is you know again is talking about the Ark I think this is where there was a time where the Ark was stolen by the Philistines in um the book of Kings uh, during the days uh, of um, Samuel uh, when Samuel was a young prophet, um, there, the priesthood suffered some corruption, surprise surprise and God wanted to pun- punish I forgot the name of the priest. Uh, his sons would steal portions of the um, of the sacrifices. the priest would there were no portions that would be given, uh, to the Levites uh, they would boil it and uh, the, the fat they would give to God because God wanted the fat and then there, then some of the meat would go to the to the Levites and their families but this particular uh, high priest his sons became greedy they started uh, abusing uh behind you know behind closed doors they started taking more than what their fair share is. And eventually, um, that priestly line would die and would be replaced by another line of Aaron, because there were more. There were many sons of Aaron, so they would find one that was not corrupted. And he, he didn't do anything to stop his sons from from their abuse. Eventually, what happened one day when they went to the fight against the Philistines, they lost, and the ark was taken. Of all shockingly, the ark was taken into the hands of the Philistines. In, where it was dangerous even to touch the ark but God wanted to do this as a test I mean as a as a lesson to the people of Israel listen if you don't keep guard over your sins I will punish you and this was during the days of the judges uh, you know the, the last days of the judges eventually so that's this event is recalling that behold we heard of it in a uh, uh, fritha, we found it in the fields of Jar. the The <clears throat> Philistines realized this thing was not good for them. It was causing diseases, and they off they made. Uh, they decided to give back the ark to the to the Israelites. They were terrified of it. Uh, so let us enter into your dwelling. Let us worship at his footstool. Advance, O Lord, your resting place. You and the ark of your Majesty. May your priests be clothed with justice let your faithful ones shout merely for joy for the sake of David, your servant reject, not the plea of your anointed. So, you know, you can see it's a very, it's, it's a very important, uh, religious object. It's, you know, it, it symbolized the incarnation of Christ in, it had the two tablets of Moses. It supposedly had also, I think, another, it had the the jar of manna and some books of Moses. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a very important object. But it was also, um, I think it was difficult for the Israelites um, because of their understanding of God. They understood God in a very materialistic way. And that was, I think, one of the dangers uh, that they had suffered. They didn't really comprehend God as totally god all right let's go to the next reading to the gospel okay now we'll begin the gospel uh let's start with the alleluia antiphon it's from uh, matthew chapter 4 verse 23 alleluia alleluia jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people alleluia alleluia Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 6, verse 53 to 56. As many as touched it were healed. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to the land at Canesaret and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, The people immediately recognized him. They scurried about about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the in the marketplace and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak. And as many as touched it were healed. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We'll read it one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 6, verse 53 to 56. As many as touched it were healed. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to the land at Gennesaret and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. They scurried about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak. And as many as touched it, were healed. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 6, verse 53 to 56. As many as touched it were healed. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to, to the land at Gennesaret and tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. They scurried about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats or whatever they heard, wherever they heard he was. Whatever village or town or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak. And as many as touched it were healed. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so this this is interesting because the Ganeseret, remember the demoniac, the, the Ganneresine demoniac. This is around the same region, and remember what happened. He healed the demoniac, and the people begged Jesus to leave. Remember, I mentioned about the the man, you know, uh, the, who was possessed with legion, and then the the demons beg Jesus, "Don't cast us out from the from the territory. Uh, let us enter the, the swine, the pig." This was, like, of course, they were trying to trick him. They thought maybe, you know, he would, you know, overlook them. And when he's gone from the territory, then they can enter the demoniac, the poor soul, the the man who was uh, who was filled with legion, and then they, they or they can possess some other person. There was obviously a lot of. Uh, they didn't want to leave the area because there was a lot of demonic activity, a lot of satanic cultism going on in the area, in the city. They were raising pigs, so these people obviously didn't were not kosher. They were probably Syria, Phoenician Greeks, maybe, or you know, obviously Samaritans, or maybe, uh, just you know, just bad, just filled with bad people they the swine ran down the hill and into the sea the the tiberius sea or galilean sea and they drowned um that uh they, they weren't smart anyway but jesus went from there to the other side where he healed the little girl the 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 daughter of the the, the head of the synagogue And then there was the woman with the issue of blood. So he healed a lot of people in that area and obviously back in Capernaum. So the fact that they touched his tassel, they said, if only they would allow him to touch his tassel, said that they they knew. Because remember the woman with the issue of blood, she said, if only I could touch the hem of his garment. And that was enough faith for her. So the word spread over to Gennesaret. And the demoniac, the the former demoniac, the man who was filled with legion, did his preaching very well. He would have had to, because Jesus told them, go back home, tell everyone what the Lord has done for you and what mercy he's shown you. So his preaching has also had an effect. The people recognized him. They recognized him and they ran and got all their sick, all their family members who were possessed, all their family, everyone who was afflicted. And they laid them out in the marketplace and they begged to touch the tassel. If you ever seen like um, t- these tassels hang, uh, if you've seen an Orthodox Jewish person, they had these tassels because they were an, a, a garment underneath the, uh, underneath that was always to remind them, you know, a prayer. And the tassels, there would be four tassels on each corner representing the four corners of the earth. And that's what they wanted to touch. They knew because they heard about the woman with the issue of blood. So it spread wide, far and wide throughout the the territory. And, And we can see the effect here. The people, they changed their mind. They begged Jesus to leave. Now they're happy that he. They saw that he came back. Jesus obviously was uh, knew about their faith. They were probably he also the preaching of the man, who he healed, was something important. He obviously began a movement there. The people are, all heard him and he preached happily and willingly and he did exactly what jesus told him to do he told everyone what great mercy the lord has done for him and then obviously they heard the news of the girl he brought back to life and the woman with the issue of blood and all the other stuff he's done that was important the preaching and and going around also everywhere they heard the good news and they probably hoped and begged that he would come back you know it's you know this is a this is something that's very important for us to understand this whatever village or town or countryside he entered they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might touch only the tassel on his cloak as many as touched it were healed okay they jesus is the holy of holies? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the temple. A temple, a physical temple, a physical house of worship, is fine. Is beautiful, and it should be. It should be beautiful. It should be a place where people enjoy being, where they enjoy hearing the word being preached. It should be a place where people can gather, and 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 love being. Love dwelling in, love sitting in, love talking. But the most important thing is that Christianity is is a religion that has to be shared. And it has to be, it is an encounter. The real dwelling place is in people's hearts. That's the most important because a temple, a church can be destroyed. And many of them have been destroyed and there have been many beautiful churches. I remember um, that Russian artist. Um, oh, goodness, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Oh, Andrei Ruplev. Andrei Ruplev. A great icon artist. one of the Probably one of Russia's greatest Orthodox icon artists who was taught by a Greek. And... There was a scene in the in the film where he cried. I mean, he was literally angry. How many times he's painted churches? He's worked on churches, and they all got destroyed. And he, and the Greek, his Greek teacher, his um, mentor, berated him. It's not about you. It's about Christ. It's not about us. We'll disappear. We die. We come and go. We we, we're a moment here on stage and we're gone. It's about him. It's him that matters. You know, it's him. We glorify him in our art. We we glorify him in everything we do. The temple was perfectly fine. It was a beautiful thing that Solomon built. But what happens when the people lose faith? What good is all that art? If the people don't have faith? What good is any of it if it becomes just nothing but a museum? What good is St. Patrick's Cathedral if people are not worshiping? If people no longer believe? What good is any of these things? What good is what good is the 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 the, the Vatican? What good is any church in, in in the neighborhood with all the beautiful designs and everything? None of it means anything if the people no longer believe, if the people stop believing. You can paint as many pictures as you want. You can make as many beautiful statues as you want. You can do as many mosaics as you want. But if there is no faith and if there's immorality and if there's injustice going on among the priests and the clergy... And if they bow down to Caesar and they don't don't defend the honor of God, what good is any of it? That's what happened with Israel. They were wandering in the desert. They, they, They had a beautiful tabernacle. It followed them around. That's God with his people. God, Emmanuel, God with us. And what happened eventually in time, they got to the land, the promised land, which is a symbol of heaven and and the people they they didn't finish they didn't finish their their mission to purge the pagans out of the land is a symbol of purging sin out of your life sin out of the out of the body the land the country is a, is like a body and sin is like a virus like a disease it spreads and grows Eventually they had their judges and they went back and forth like crazy people. For some reason they never seemed to learn their lesson. And eventually they got their king. And of course, they, they failed to recognize God as their king. It was God they rejected and they wanted an earthly king. Well, they got an earthly king, and well guess what? He became a politician. He compromised God. And the people suffered. Eventually, David comes along, and David, as wonderful as his faith was, he also disappointed God. He committed sin. You can't put your faith in an earthly ruler. Eventually, in time, they, no matter how holy they are, they're gonna, they're gonna eventually disappoint you. And then eventually, what happened is, you know, they had their temple. But even after that. What happened? Solomon compromises and brings back paganism into the land because he was tolerant and he was understanding and he, he practiced, you know, dialogue. And eventually what happened? It spread throughout the land. Eventually in a, in a century there, the people were, were, were murdering their, their, their babies to Baal and Moloch, the temple eventually had to get destroyed. Because it didn't seem to make a difference to them. So you could have a beautiful temple. But if it doesn't have faith, what good is it to God? He might as well destroy it. He will not be mocked. The temple is your soul. Your faith is the real dwelling place. Those people in Gennesaret were practicing Occultism. They, a man was the result—a a possessed man. He had a lot of demons in him, and he suffered because of the because of the laxity of that culture, because of the obscenity, and because of their occultism. He probably was deep into occultism. He probably came from a family of occultists, and he was possessed. He's running around the hills naked. Uh, eventually, that's what happened to King King uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He was reduced to madness, and he was running around naked in the fields acting like an animal because God, without, man without God is nothing. He's an animal. And the man was healed. The, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was finally relieved of his ailment, and this man was saved. Jesus got rid of the demons. And the people, he, Jesus told him, go back and tell your people. When, how much mercy God has shown you. And he did it. He did a fantastic job. But they also heard through the mouth of other people on the other side of the river. Of, uh, of the lake. Of, the, of, of uh, Galilee. Of what he did. Which is why they wanted to touch the hem of his garment. Because they heard about the woman with the issue of blood. Man is the temple that God wants to be in. That's the first place is your soul. Our souls is the temple. Eventually, that's the most important thing. The house of worship should be should be a sign of a healthy culture of of faith. If not, it's all gonna go away. It's all gonna start to rot anyway. I mean, you ever go to St. Patrick's Cathedral? You sit there and you're trying to pray, and people with cameras are taking pictures. It's just a museum. It's just a museum now because the American culture is suffering of no faith. All right, so let's end it with an Our Father, Uh, Hail Mary, and St. Michael. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. Now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, folks. Um, I'll try to do episode... 37 and 38, which unfortunately, I don't think they, um, they got the right exposure. I it's because I made, I put that stupid music on there and, um, it was restricted only to Spotify. So, all right. So, uh, I'll be back soon. I'll try to get them done, uh, before I get back to work since this is the weekend. All right. So God bless and, uh, please subscribe and share and also go to the, uh, Facebook page, All right, so God bless you.